welcome. This is One Life, a podcast that brings you quality content from experts in the field of psychological counseling to educate and inspire on mental health, relationships, and a fulfilling life. This is your reminder. You only get one life. Let's make it great. back to episode seven of our podcast. Today we'll be talking about a particular way of doing therapy that's called EMDR. It's used to treat trauma and a lot of other things. So hang on tight and here we go with podcast episode seven. Okay, I have with me Steve Jones, licensed marriage and family therapist. He works with us here at Redwood Family Therapy. Welcome, Steve. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to have you. I'm excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Let, let's start with an introduction. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Steve Jones. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist uh, here at Redwood Family Therapy. I get the opportunity today to talk a little bit about one of my favorite subjects, which is uh, treating people who struggle with uh, trauma mm-hmm. as well as other issues like uh, uh, depression, anxiety, um, different things that, that people go through in their lifetime that can be real struggles. Yeah, unfortunately, trauma is all too common. And uh, just to, to clarify for the, the people listening, a lot of times when we think about trauma, we think about very, very severe things like, uh, you know, we were in an accident and we got, you know, physical trauma or someone comes back from the war and, you know, has PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress. And trauma, as I understand it, extends beyond seeing someone blown up in front of you or, you know, almost losing your life, correct? Yeah. And what we'll do today really is talk, of course, about the severe trauma, which you've just mentioned. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of traumas that go on in our lives. Um, I, I would say everybody has memories, and maybe we shouldn't even use the word trauma for some of these things. Everybody has memories that uh, are disturbing to them. I don't know of anybody who hasn't gone through some hard things in their life. Right. Some are very little, uh, but seem to affect them deeply over the years. Uh, and some are, of course, very major. But uh, we might be talking about something along the line of uh, maybe a child's memory of one of their parents Mm -hmm. uh, leaving the house in anger and feeling very hurt by that and seem to have affected them over their lifetime. Right. So it's not always about things involving death and uh, harm. It's about emotional hurt. Okay. So let's dive into our topic for today, EMDR. Um, that's a relatively well-known term now, but why don't you tell us a little bit about what, what is EMDR? What does that stand for? And uh, just what is it in general? Okay. Uh, EMDR is a treatment that has been around right about 30 years now. Um, it was, uh, uh, first started by a woman by the name of Frances Shapiro, who uh, one day she was uh, going through some disturbing thoughts. She was in her PhD program in psychology at the time. Mm -hmm. And she realized that as she was thinking about these thoughts, her eyes were moving back and forth. Right. 
and from there, she realized that there was also emotions that were uh, that she started to feel much better because of this. So she did a lot of research on it. And over the years, she's developed and other people have developed along with her the uh, EMDR model, uh, the eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Uh, it's a wonderful uh, uh, treatment that helps people to see things a little bit differently. When I was a, a fairly young man, uh, I remember sitting down at a restaurant and holding up a menu and looking at it. And then I realized that I'd held it out a little bit too far. In other words, my vision was going bad. Mm-hmm. And so now I wear glasses to help me to see things that are close, to read, to do things like that. It's interesting because when I look at things now, it's very blurry. But when I put on my glasses, I can see it very clearly. I can see all of the details. Right. EMDR is much like that. It helps people to see things through a different lens, to see them clearly, to see the difficult things that happened as well as a lot of the other things that have happened over the years that are very, very good. So it helps people to see things through a different lens. And how exactly does EMDR do that? I know we're going to get into more depth here, but um, I think it would be helpful to start out with to give a, a, a just a snippet general overview of what the process of EMDR is. Sure. Uh, most people understand a little bit about our sleep cycle. There's mm-hmm. the REM cycle of the sleep, which helps us to, the REM cycle, which helps us to uh, process thoughts at nighttime. That's the rapid eye movement. Rapid eye movement. And most people know that when they are sleeping, there's a period of time where their eyes are actually moving back and forth, um, that that they are processing uh, who knows what. They may be dreaming. They may be processing thought processes. Mm -hmm. We know that sleep is restorative. Right. And so uh, they believe that EMDR is using this process in an awake state. Hmm. Uh, the part of the brain that deals with uh, emotions uh, is our amygdala uh, in the limbic system. And the lim- limbic system of the brain kind of manages, is the managing part of the brain. Mm-hmm. So they find that, uh, that it helps to process things a little bit better and it seems to activate those parts of the brain when your eyes are actually moving back and forth while you're thinking about a certain uh, something that may have happened to you in your lifetime that was a bit disturbing. So kind of a a way to... uh to activate a daytime REM state, although I, I, it's not as rapid eye movement as in REM sleep would be. But, exactly. Uh, um, to help you process through things then. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Great. So will it help? <laughs> I mean, it sounds great, but yes. does this really help people? Well, that's a good question because uh, I've never heard of a treatment that helps everybody. Right. But they do find, and the research has found, that it is very helpful for most people. About 80% of the people who, who do the EMDR treatment uh, have a tendency of really uh, functioning much better. 80%. That's mm-hmm. great. And they've also found that over a period of time, even over two years, when they come back to communicate with people about their, their process, mm-hmm. They find that it's actually helped them for that long of a period of time. Great. It, it doesn't a, seem to fade. Right, not a short-term effect. That's exactly. Great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that. Uh, I, I'm not a, an expert on EMDR, but mm-hmm. the little bit I do know is there there has been a lot of research behind it that mm-hmm. it 
it's mm-hmm. it's well researched. It's not just some well, hey, let's let's try this by you know maybe if they move their eyes around, then it'll help. It's it's been researched exactly. and shown a, a lot of success. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it's suggested uh, by the World Health Organization mm-hmm. for traumatic for trauma, right? Uh, as well as uh, by the American Psychological Association as really the best treatment for uh, dealing with emotions that have that right. are disturbing. Right. And if I, if I understand correctly, it's, it's used very frequently and highly suggested for PTSD as well. Exactly. And that was the original uh, uh, work that they did. Uh, Frances Shapiro, uh, she's a Canadian, and uh, there was a lot of Vietnam vets uh, that were struggling at the time. And she started working with the veterans and found mm. that it to be beneficial for them. But over the years, they found that the application is very wide in other areas. What other areas, for instance? Well, they found that for treating, many people deal with self-esteem issues. Mm-hmm. They deal with uh, anxiety. And sometimes that anxiety may have a root cause, and it mm-hmm. has to do with processing that root cause. Uh, depressive issues, um, as well as addiction. Uh, and so it is applicable in, in quite a few areas. So I, I want to ask a little bit more about the the duration of this treatment. Is this mm-hmm. something that you have to do for the rest of your life? Is this a one-time thing? You know, how long is the general EMDR treatment? Yeah, and, and on average, uh, I would say I probably do about uh, 10 to 12 sessions with people for the actual EMDR process. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are shorter and some are longer. Uh, it depends on the individual um, and, and really what they're going through and their ability to uh, function. Matter of fact, when they first come in, um, I do a little assessment on them called state change mm-hmm. to find out if they have the ability of going from a fairly uh, negative emotion to a fairly positive emotion. People mm-hmm. who are capable of doing this, generally the treatment works fairly well for them. You said 10 to 12 sessions in general for the EMDR work. Mm-hmm. That's that's fairly standard for a lot of different treatments out there. So yeah. it's not an especially long-term treatment and fairly no. normal in length. Then. Exactly. Now, since you mentioned the, the eye movement part of this, uh, what, what that brings up to mind to me, and I think to a lot of people, is the uh, the, the old magician dangling his watch in front of you uh, saying you're getting sleepy. Is this is this another type of hypnosis, or or, or what is it? Not at all. Um, it's it's very different than hypnosis. There is no, no state of uh, um, unconsciousness in any way. No trance state? Not at all. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, uh, during EMDR, what we always try to do is make sure that people feel very comfortable comfortable, uh, that they have the opportunity to say, eh, it's a little bit too much for me right now. I, I don't think I want to go on at this time, mm-hmm. uh, which happens from time to time. But usually people are completely awake, completely aware uh, of what's going on. They're just processing things differently. In other words, they do think about things differently than what they might have. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's an important to, to, restate that it is there is a, 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 a quite an application a quite a wide application for people and to help them understand that mm-hmm. a lot of times you know we might uh, react a certain way for example I work with relationships a lot right and uh, let's say one of the partners has struggled with trust and the other partner has started to function very well and being trustful right trustworthy 
uh, it seems like those feelings can stay with someone, you know, that feeling of lack of trust. And EMDR can be very helpful in that. Well, and I'd, I'd say that a, a breach of trust in a relationship is a, a type of traumatic experience. Exactly. There's quite a few people who are very, very functional in life. Mm-hmm. But they have some small things that kind of have uh, uh, formed who they are right. in, their, in their life or in their childhood that bother them. And it may be something very small. And for people like that, generally, the treatment is not is, is shorter. Uh, right. It might be three or four sessions mm. uh, for those people who function quite well, who, who don't feel like they have any kind of severe trauma, but they have a few little things that bother them. So with them, it can be helpful, too. Great. It, it sounds like it's a, a very wide-ranging it's an approach that has a very wide-ranging effect that, exactly. that you can help lots of different people with. Exactly. That. Matter of fact, um, uh, you know, in years past, when I've gone through this treatment, I went through a couple of, uh, you know, several EMDR sessions. I mm-hmm. probably, because the training that I've done, I've probably uh, spent, you know, in class about, I would say, uh, 50, 60 hours total and uh, in my own personal study quite wow. a bit. But along with those studies, they have us go through some EMDR sessions for our own things. Uh, and so for me, it's been helpful in the past. I'd like to get into now what, what can you expect in an EMDR session? Um, yeah. ob- obviously, there's more to it than just moving your eyes back and forth, correct? Of, of course, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, uh, EMDR is, a, is an eight-phase uh, process. In the first phase, um, there's a history-taking process. So we take a look at uh, many of those pivotal things in people's lives that have taken place that seem to define how they might react to things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll we'll take a real thorough history. During the second phase of treatment, uh, we ensure that the client has several methods of calming their system down because Mm -hmm. if they're dealing with traumatic events, we want to make sure that they can go from a, a, a a very uncomfortable state or a state where they are feeling these really, and I'll use the term yucky feelings, Mm -hmm. uh, to a very positive state of feeling, um, uh, a peace, a wellness. So, so part of that, most of that second uh, session is in helping them to understand practices that help them to relax. Self-soothing practices? Self-soothing. So they can achieve that state change that you mentioned before. Yes, yes. Uh, And there's there's a lot of different types of those. Um, The one that we use mostly is kind of a guided imagery. Mm -hmm. uh, Or, uh, as you've probably done before, many people have a uh, uh, an experience in their life where they have something that's so relaxing mm-hmm. and they remember it. Maybe it's a time on the beach or a time in the mountains. And we have them, uh, we guide them through feeling those feelings that they felt uh, or remember right. that they felt in those experiences. So that's one of the main ones. There's, there's, uh, there's several other ones that we might teach during that second session. So then it sounds like a, a big part of this is, for, first of all, it's not something that is going to be traumatic in and of itself. It, mm-hmm. you, you won't be going through EMDR. One would not 
struggle too much, that the, part of the goal is to make sure at the beginning that people can handle whatever comes up and that they can self-soothe and that it's not going to, mm-hmm. you know, rip open scars that they can't handle and that it's not going to be too, too painful a process. Yes. yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, a, an interesting thing about EMDR is it's not about reliving every single part of it. Mm-hmm. It's about processing the experience uh, oftentimes while we're going through the EMDR process, we're letting people know that this is in the past. Right. And so they can keep kind of one foot in the past and one foot in the present. I think that that's so important because a lot of people uh, I've heard say to me before, why would I ever want to go back and relive all of that? Why would right. I want to think about those things again? I try hard not to think about them. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. while there is some thinking about those and talking about them, it's it's purposeful and not just rehashing everything. But exactly. Like you say, processing through it instead. Mm-hmm. And it's it's... I don't want to say it's painless because we do have to go through the thoughts. Right. But an interesting thing is in a very short period of time during the EMDR sessions, people will start to actually add in the full picture. Mm. And those full pictures are how they've managed their lives over the years. Right. Uh, for example, for a person who's, who has struggled with maybe a betrayal of a friend or something along that line, they might come up with the thought of, oh my goodness, I made other friends because of this. Right. And so they start to really process this thing. You know, when you said, what is an EMDR session like? Um, So we talked about eye movement. Mm -hmm. It's not always eye movement, but oftentimes I use that because I I like the modality of the the eye movement. But Mm -hmm. you can also use what we call bimodal stimulation. Um, That's Tapping on the legs, and mm-hmm. people do that with themselves. Sometimes the therapist will tap on their knees. And it's alternating signs, right? Exactly, the, the alternating bilateral. signs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, it also can be done with audio, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it can be done with uh, tactile uh, uh pads or in other words uh, pads that you feel vibrate from mm-hmm. the left hand to the right uh, so if for example if someone has struggles with their vision overly sensitive or mm-hmm. something along that line I oftentimes will use the paddles right mm-hmm. do you have paddles I do yeah oh, I didn't uh, know that yeah <laughs> and I, I will sit uh, the way it works I'll sit very close to them mm-hmm. uh, 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 I've I've heard it said uh, by a, a woman by the name of Barb Malberg who teaches this out of uh, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she called it ships passing in the night. In other words, you sit right uh, next to the person, almost touching your uh, left knee to their right knee or right knee to the left knee, mm-hmm. uh, and then you move the uh, uh, either your fingers or I use a pen uh, back and forth about a foot and a half to two foot in front of their faces. Um, we do this for probably only about 30 seconds at a time, maybe a little bit more depending on the person's ability to process. And then we stop and say, what's happening now? In other words, we want to elicit what's going on in their thoughts. Mm -hmm. And this is a true process of, uh, of processing. It's an interesting thing because people start to fill in some of the gaps of whatever the emotions that they've gone through. So just for for further clarification here, when the left and right, whether it's you know eye movement or tapping, when, when that is going on, um, is there talking going on? Is there what what else is going on during that time, or is it 
there's talking first, then the, the bilateral movement. Yeah, the way it goes is that we will, uh, I'll do the, uh, uh, the movement or the bilateral stimulation mm-hmm. for about 30 seconds. I'll ask them um, what's happening now. Mm-hmm. They'll tell me briefly what's going on in their mind. I don't interpret that at all. I allow them to process it. I l- allow them to interpret it. Mm-hmm. This isn't like psychodynamic them, dynamic therapy where I'm interpreting what's going on with them. Right. The people are actually interpreting themselves. Uh, so it, it works out. They start to come up with really some very positive ideas. Thus, that's why we do the testing for the state change. Right, right. Uh, because they've got to have the ability of going from... Um, a negative cognition or thought process to a positive thought process. This this might be an aside here, but uh, just in, in studying various different types of trauma treatment, uh, one of the conclusions I've come to is that that there's kind of an overarching similarity between all different types of trauma treatment, and that that being there are deep rooted memories and emotions, things that are. We, we could even say are in our unconscious and, mm-hmm. and how they affect us. And, you know, a lot of that is in, like you mentioned, the, the, the midbrain, the amygdala. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we do the various forms of therapy, whether it's eye movement or visualization or even talking about it, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're activating our prefrontal lobe, which mm-hmm. usually shuts down during a, a traumatic event or coping with trauma. Um, and, and so my opinion is that's one of the, the real benefits of EMDR mm-hmm. is that it it's a very direct, without really having to think about it, way of activating both parts of your brain to help kind of make those links to where you end up through the processing process, mm-hmm. having more control over those emotions. Your, your, your brain is doing that work for you. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I think that's a, an extremely important thing, especially when we're talking about any of the modalities mm-hmm. of therapy yeah. um, in cognitive behavioral type therapy. When we, when we take an emotion and then someone's able to say to themselves or ask themselves a question, right. that brings it to the frontal lobe mm-hmm. and the frontal lobe kind of starts to work with the amygdala a little bit. So it's very similar to that. Right, mm-hmm. right. So is, is there any, anything else that would be helpful for people to know about this, uh, the, the process of EMDR that, that you go through? I, I haven't been paying attention what phase we got to there. Oh, yes. I, I, I think I lost, uh, I lost it there uh, also. So we've got uh, phase three, four, five, and six mm-hmm. uh, are an interesting process. That's where the true processing happens. In these phases, there are several things we do. Uh, First of all, we have the person bring up the image of the experience, which we call the target. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we have them go through uh, what their negative belief is. In other words, what are the emotions that come up because of this? And then we have them uh, consider, you know, where they feel that in their body. And as we do that, they get the whole experience of it. And that can be very difficult for people. But like right. I said, in a fairly short period of time, they go from that feeling to some more positive feelings. And uh, due to the activation of the brain that we've spoken about. Right. Uh, so those are, those are the, the other phases. And then we've got seven and eight. And seven is the closure part. Of course, the next two are the closure but we have people, you know, we talk about their experience. We have them log for the next week what their emotions were and what they've been going through so we can make sure that we've uh, hit all of the targets that mm-hmm. need to be touched on. 
then when they come back in the next session, we talk to them about future experiences that may happen using a little bit of the bimodal stimulation Mm -hmm. uh, to help them to kind of process how they'll handle the upcoming situations. And those would be situations, obviously, that that would be more difficult or where they would be in some sort of distress and be able to implement what they've been learning. Exactly. Okay. For, for example, uh, I'd mentioned a little earlier, if a, if a person is processing a trust issue as a result of uh, their, their partner's disloyalty, um, they might ask themselves, you know, how will I react to the next time I have that emotional gut feeling Mm -hmm. that bothers me, that causes me to be so angry and reactive. How will I deal with that? And they generally start to deal with things a little bit differently. Not perfectly, uh, but they do start to do much better. I um, I don't know if it's the same, if you've experienced the same thing as I have with other aspects of therapy, other modalities where Mm -hmm. a a lot of people have the tendency, and I I think we see this in the medical field as well, once they start feeling better, then they think they're done. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's why the doctor says, make sure you take all of the, the medication, um, the, the medication, sure. you know, um, especially with, uh, what is it? Antibiotics, you mm-hmm. know, you'll, you'll feel better pretty soon. It doesn't mean everything's been worked out. Exactly. Um, and that, that phase eight really reminds me, you know, that, that it's not just about, okay, I'm feeling good in this moment. You, you want that to extend. You want that to be something that is, you know, really incorporated into their life so mm-hmm. that it's, it's, long lasting. Yeah. Do, you, do you find many people, they come in for a few and, and as soon as they start feeling good, they're like, oh, shoo, we're, I'm good. I feel much better. And th- that they have that tendency to feel like they're done. Uh, I, I've had that happen on several occasions. More often, um, if you get to the phases three to six, mm-hmm. people do want to finish up. They start to feel some real changes in their life and, and, and it feels good to them. And they, and they kind of recognize, of course, I try to explain to them that you know, you need to continue through, and generally people do, do 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 that. They they realize the benefit of it. Well, and and from what you mentioned there about that that change, that that real I don't want to say fundamental change, mm-hmm. but a, a, a very visceral change that they feel better, mm-hmm. they feel different. Um, that that brings up a question that I've heard people ask about things like hypnosis before, where you know they they wonder, is this going to change me? Is it going to change my personality? Is this, you know, am I going to be a, a different person, maybe in a, a negative way when I finish this? Yeah, and I think it's a good question. Um, there's some interesting uh, things that I that have happened over the years. For example, um, we generally won't do EMDR with someone who's got to go to court mm. and and uh, uh, to give a testimony against someone because they might, you know, feel it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- th- you generally don't want that to happen. So we suggest after you get through with all of your legal process, come on back and let's process this. So gotcha. does it change people? Yes, it does. I like to think of it like my glasses example. Right. It's, it, yeah. you know, without my glasses on, I look at a, I look at a, uh, a page in a book and it's blurry. But then I put my glasses on and I can see the details. And those details really make a difference. And so does it change people? I, I think it does. But usually for the better, it helps them to, to see things much clearer. 
sounds like the uh, just the the overall process of resolution working through something you know that that changes all of us sure. when we get to the end of an issue and feel resolved yeah. that that's a, a change of positive change yeah I, you know it's funny because i i think and i'm sure this has happened to you quite a few times when people come in and they they want to discuss with you grief mm-hmm. uh, over a death or something like mm-hmm. that they say, well, I need to process this. And sometimes they'll ask me, what is processing? Yes. <laughs> and and, I, and I, I believe this is a true method of processing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. I think, I think a good place to transition now would be kind of the, the benefits and the risks of EMDR. I'd mm-hmm. say with, with any type of therapy, there's always a combination of both benefits yeah. and risks. Yeah. I think we've touched fairly well on the benefits that, that it is about seeing things clearer. Mm-hmm. It's about understanding better the whole picture as, a, as opposed to just that small part that seems to uh, get to us emotionally, that we feel that hurts us, that we have an opportunity to see more. Is it too much of an oversimplification to say that the, the overall process, one of the main goals is to, to just feel better about a particular thing? Not, not yeah. that you, you know, are okay that whatever the you know traumatic thing was happened, but that it's that resolution that you just feel better in general. It doesn't bog you down as much. No. And, and, and I, I like the idea that we, you know, I like simplification first of all, and, mm-hmm. and the idea of feeling better, isn't that what we go into treatment for Absolutely. is because we want to feel better. Um, we don't just want to think better. We don't just want to, we want to feel better. And, right. and so it's not an oversimplification. It's wonderful. Okay. I also, but there are some risks. And so what we screen fairly well when we do this treatment, that, that it's going to be a, a good treatment for them. Mm-hmm. Like I said, if someone's not capable of state change due to maybe a depressive issue or something like that, I want to get them to the point where they're functioning fairly well, where they can, they can have that state change. When someone's in the middle of a deep, deep depression, um, all they can see is darkness oftentimes. And that's our job as therapists to help them to work through that. But that's a process and it may take a little while. Uh, So I don't want to do EMDR type treatment with someone who can't move their emotions from a negative to a positive state. So there's risks. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's risks in starting this, by the way, and and, uh, uh, just dealing with, you know, certain emotions and then leaving it there. You don't want to leave them raw Mm -hmm. emotionally. You want to leave them... uh, uh, feeling fairly positive and healthy. So otherwise it would be like going to a surgeon, having them open you up, start the procedure and then send you home exactly. without finishing off, yeah, cleaning everything out and sewing you back up. Sure. Let's leave the wound open and right. I hope you have a good day. Right. Usually not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other risks then to, to EMDR? Um, no, I think we've touched on the risks fairly well. I, I do believe that, that, um, there can be some changes, I suppose, now that I think about it. And mm-hmm. I think that has to do with understanding that, that within your home, there's a dynamic that we call homeostasis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just in your home, but in your life. Homeostasis is a process of things move in kind of a pattern. And sometimes the patterns will change because your reactions to them change. So that's both a risk and a benefit. Right, because your change will affect change elsewhere in the exactly. family and your friendships in the community. What you know, anywhere where you have interaction. You bet. You bet. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, the hope would be that those would be positive changes. Exactly, and well, and I think they usually are. Right. Um, uh, 
for example, I mean, when we talk about a concept of, you know, passive communication or aggressive communication, mm-hmm. and I always teach people that assertive communication is better. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, you could see the dynamic. If you've got a household where you're very passive, you're never, you never make a complaint. You never, you know, stir the waters. You never do anything different. And you go to the state of, I'm going to become more assertive. I'm going to communicate my needs and wants and, and hear other people's needs and wants and understand that I don't need to, you know, I can accept that. Uh, that can change the dynamic. So, Certainly. So there are. Uh, things that happen right. because well, of that. That may be a good time to then do a little family therapy to help balance out the entire system there. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And and help them to understand how, how these changes can benefit them in the long run. Now, what about someone who has very uh, very severe trauma, potentially something that is still very raw? Um, if they can still do the the state change to where they can feel better, you know, in the in the early stages when you're kind of testing to see if if they're a good candidate for this, um, what what would happen? Say if you had someone where things were so raw and you you started this process off, um, is there a danger that it could just be too much, be overwhelming for them? Yeah. Well. I don't want to do EMDR therapy with someone who's still in the middle of a, of a process. I want to make sure, for example, if they're in an abusive relationship. Right, where they're still being traumatized. Where they're still traumatized going on. I definitely don't want to do that. But I find that, you know, a few months out of that, people are generally ready mm-hmm. to, to make changes. And sometimes the sooner the better because they don't create these long-term habits of reacting in a negative way. So I, I guess to um, to simplify this, it would if someone were to come in or you know ask you, hey, am I a good candidate for this? Mm-hmm. Um, if they were someone who is still in the middle of that trauma, that would not be a, a good option. But it, it also sounds like through the beginning, you know, first and second session, you really assess for is this person a good candidate as exactly. well, so that exactly. the the overall risk of it being you know too difficult for someone is pretty minimal because of that Mm -hmm, introductory mm -hmm. process. And there is times where uh, a longer term treatment is definitely needed. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if someone's not, if someone's in the middle of, you know, some pretty severe process, I'm not going to do EMDR, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to help them uh, develop ego strength in order to make changes. Right. Coping uh, and, and coping changing. and things like that. Yeah. So, uh, and, and if I'm, if they're not ready for EMDR, it could take a, you know, that can take a long time sometimes because, you know, if they can't really, like I said, feel the ability to make a state change, then mm-hmm. it's not, it's not worth it. But the process is let's help them make it through that. Very good. Mm-hmm. So if someone is listening right now wondering, am I a good candidate for EMDR, mm-hmm. what, what would you recommend to them would be the, the next step? Well, come in and see us here at Redwood Family. We would love to help you, and uh, I think that you'll find it a good experience. Um, just a, a session or two, we can let you know if this will be beneficial for you. Uh, and also, uh, you know, what other treatment may be helpful if not EMDR? So it's not a long-term commitment if it's not going to work. They don't have to worry about 12, 15 sessions later going, mm, this is not a good approach for No, you. I think we'll <laughs> let them know if it's a good approach. And um, like I said, a large number of people do tend to uh, uh, process to, to develop well through this type of treatment. So, but we can let them know. 
Very good. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, if if they're not a good candidate for them, we can point them in the right direction. What exactly. would be a, a better modality or even a better therapist? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This has been very informative, Steve. Thank you very much for all this information. Is there anything that, that you'd like to say kind of to, to wrap this up, sort of a, a closing statement, if you will, on EMDR? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, not just on EMDR, but but hopefully on you. Um, we, You know, here at Redwood, we pride ourselves on the idea that what we do is to serve you, uh, to help you to move in a positive direction. Um and if we can, we'd love to do that. And I hope you know that uh, we use uh, treatments, we're well trained, but uh, our number one interest besides all of that is your well-being. That's a very good point. I, I appreciate you bringing that up. And uh, you know, you'd, you'd hope that that would be the, the, the goal of all therapists, uh, but we, we really do try hard here to make sure that, uh, you know, that whoever it is is coming in, that we're here to help them mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah and we have another very important tool in our toolbox here with uh, EMDR and, and your experience in uh, in treating people through EMDR so it's good to have you on board Steve well thank you <laughs> and thank you very much for sharing with us today and hopefully we can do this again sometime soon wonderful have a good day this podcast is for informational purposes only it is not intended to diagnose or treat anything If you feel you need mental health or other medical help, please seek the services of a competent professional.